Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. I'm your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Thank you for joining us today. As always, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show where we get to talk about being Catholic and we get to talk about our faith from a health perspective. Uh, and we got to think of this from a physical health perspective, a mental health perspective, and more importantly, a spiritual health perspective here at the clinic. Um, always a pleasure to have you here with us. Before anything else, let's start the show with the Angelus so that we uh, have our show and our words blessed, especially on this show that we're going to be talking about. Uh, so let's start with the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few housekeeping uh, items here, uh, just to keep our listeners up to date. A couple of important conferences coming up. So the first conference that's coming up is on August 7th. We're going to have our conference right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Uh, it's entitled uh, Sex and Honor. It's one of these things that when we hear the topic of sex, we can uh, have our emotions and our mind go in different ways. But is it always the Catholic way? Do we keep in mind what the Catholic Church teaches us about that? And do we feel honorable when we're talking about sex? You know, it's one of these topics that in modern day society, we hear the word sex, and it can have a very negative, almost a bad connotation to it. When in reality, it's supposed to be something positive. It's supposed to be a gift that God gave us. But do we think of it as such? And do we treat it as such? Something to think about and something we're going to be discussing at that conference. We're going to have great speakers, uh, Mary Danielle, uh, uh, Terry's wife will be speaking to us on Theology of the Body. We're also going to have Cherie Ballinger, uh, who is a producer in Hollywood who produced the Roe versus Wade movie, um, come and speak to us about her thoughts on how we can portray in a more positive light in Hollywood. There is another conference coming up September 18th, also right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, the Women's Conference titled True Devotion to St. Joseph. We're going to have Father Muir, Father Stephen, and again, Mary Danielle speaking to us at that conference. I think that's going to be such a great uh, one-two punch between the uh, Sex and Honor Conference and the Conference for uh, Women. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that. Um, today's show is entitled Sticks and Stones, Why Words Matter. This is an important topic to think about. You know, when we were kids, we always say, oh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And yet today in our modern day society, we're hearing a lot about and waiting to hear 
the words from different people. You know, we hear uh, what we hear about. Notice I use the word here because we're listening for communication. We're, we're listening for words. And in reality, we're waiting for positive words. We're hearing to hear the word of God, the word of Jesus, the word of Christ as Catholics. And that doesn't always happen. And I think we're waiting to hear that from our prelates. Um, and that's not always happening. A lot of things that people are talking about is when are we going to hear the bishops tell us what the truth is in terms of, you know, not what they decided what the truth is, but what Jesus taught as the truth. Um, we are waiting to hear from conferences as to what is the appropriate way to be or the appropriate state to be in or the appropriate way to preach the faith in order for us to be able to receive Holy Communion uh, in a state of grace. What constitutes that? Or do we make exceptions? Is it, is it something that the bishops are now saying, well, you know, we could do that, but we're going to make exceptions. Uh, we got to look at that. Also, what are certain uh, of our priests saying? We want to listen. We want our priests to, obviously, who they dedicated their lives to God. They decided that they were going to preach the gospel. They decided that their whole life was going to be dedicated to administering the sacraments of Christ. And sometimes we're waiting for them to also speak the truth of Christ. And we might not always be hearing that. We might be hearing them uh, preach a few things on their own without it necessarily being the words of Christ. So we're going to look into that a little bit and we're going to look and see why is that so important? Why does that matter for us? Well, in the first segment of our show is we're thinking Catholic. We have to think Catholic in order to live like Catholics. So our thoughts are going to precede our actions. And then we kind of become what we think. So hopefully we can become heaven. So I'm always saying we need to think like Catholics in order to be able to live like Catholics. And once we're living like Catholics, we can say that we are, we have become Catholics or we have become a part of heaven ourselves. But this is important to talk about nowadays. Let's start with just thinking like Catholics. What does this mean? Why do we even care about what words are out there? What words are in music? What words are in song? What words are anywhere really? Or what does anybody say? Heck, what does it for that matter? What does it matter if somebody speaks the truth or, or says a lie? You know, let's look at a, at a gospel passage here. We're looking, I'm going to take out my Bible here, my Dewey Rames, uh, and we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 12, just two verses, 36 and 37. And it says, this is, these are the words of Christ. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall render an account for it on the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Those are pretty strong words right there, speaking about, you know, Jesus is the truth. We know him to be the truth. We know him to be the word. You know, as the gospel of St. John tells us, we know that Jesus is the word of God. He's the way God communicates to us. And all of a sudden he's telling us, in fact, let me read that again for anybody who might have missed a little word or two there. So this is what Jesus is telling us about words. He is him being the word of truth. But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall render an account for in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Every word we speak is almost like a contract, if you will. It's kind of like, um, you know, we hold each other to our word. How many times do we hear people say, hey, you said you were going to do this. You said, and therefore our words have power. You know, the words that we put out there have power. Everything we say has a, a meaning to it. Um, you know, when, when we are little kids and we say, oh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, the reason we say that is because little kids can be mean to each other. They can start telling each other mean words 
they can tell each other that certain things, uh, you know, that they're, that they're bad, that they're this or that, or, you know, and then you run to the teacher and the kid might be hurt and they might be crying or something. And the teacher says, oh, just ignore them and don't worry, that's not true or anything like that. But the words took an effect, you know, whether I said it, whether somebody else said it, uh, I can think of times that I'm sure I probably wasn't nice to people in elementary school. Um, but we got to think back to the words had an effect on the other person and it had an effect on each other. So if we're going to think like Catholics in order to be able to live like Catholics, we got to remember that when we are fighting for certain things, um, and especially when we're asking, hey, tell us the truth, we're not asking for anything other than the fact that the truth is what feeds us and brings us closer to Christ. When the truth is not said, that is going to be hurtful. In fact, when there is a blatant lie or when somebody goes against the truth, Christ himself is telling us that we will be judged and we can be condemned by what we said. There's going to be an account for every word we use and every word we say. And it is important to consider not just for ourselves, but for those around us. What do I want my children to listen to and hear? What do I want them to think about in terms of words? What do I want them to understand as the truth based on what they're listening to on the news, what they're listening to from our religious leaders. Uh, how many times do our religious leaders say, oh, you know what, I know what, what that says, but that's not true. You don't have to worry about that. That's not a sin. I know, I know that uh, the catechism might say that's a sin, but that's not a sin. We're going to get into some of those details later on in the show, but these are just food for thought. These are things that we need to think about as we are living like Catholics. It also makes us wonder, what am I listening to? What kind of music am I listening to? What kind of movies am I watching? What words am I allowing in my environment? And what words am I allowing for my children? Let's look at a few Bible verses that we're going to be thinking like Catholics as far as the power of words. So one of these is, let's see here, from Proverbs. Evil words destroy one's friends. Wise, wor wise discernment rescues the godly. That's Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9. Evil words destroy one's friends. Something to think about. Let's see here. There's another good verse on words. Oh, hang on a second. Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. So notice that these two have talked about destruction. Words have the power to destroy. Let's see here. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words stir up anger. That's also from Proverbs 15.1. Interesting, the few things are, are mixed together, and this is going to be important to consider when we consider something else. Words can turn away wrath, or words can stir up anger. Words can destroy. Gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 15.4. We're going to get into that and ask ourselves, if we are being told lies, why is it that the Catholics, people who consider themselves faithful Catholics, uh, why is it that their spirits are crushed? Why is that? And this tells us right here in Proverbs, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirits. We're going to get more into this when we come back from the break because I want to hear some quotes from some of our prelates, from some of our leaders. And we got to ask ourselves, are these words that are coming out, are they the truth? Are they helpful or are they destruction, destructive and killing our spirits? This is going to be important for us as we listen to our modern day world, uh, the things that we expose ourselves to and our families. More when we come back from the break here on the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show.
All right, welcome back to the Dr. Lou Sandoval Show. Today we are talking about the power of words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, and words matter. Um, if you haven't read the book of John, the first chapter, chapter one, verse one, and it starts there. This is really what tells us why there is power in words. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was made nothing that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And another translation for that is that we say the darkness did not comprehend it, is the darkness did not overcome it. The word of God is light, and we are asked to be part of that word. We are asked to be part of that light. How many times do we ever think uh, as parents when we're talking to our kids and sometimes we're scolding them and we forget and, and boy, we mess up when we really get mad at them. And uh, I'm not saying that we're calling them names or anything like that, but how harsh are our words? You know, is it something that we feel are destroying or do we feel that they are upbuilding? It's interesting because I had read some some uh, verses from Proverbs. So as we're thinking about Catholic based on what our church tells us about words, how are we living our life as Catholics um, in terms of how we're using our words? Here are some of the um, words, that, some of the words. So we listen to the word, right? The Bible, we communicate words this is important. Why is speech is rare and more valuable than gold and rubies? Something to consider. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. And that's Proverbs 25, 18. Why is that important when we're thinking about living as Catholic and what words we are using? Because as we use these words, they can be life-giving or they can be murderous. We can actually kill somebody with our words. And we forget that sometimes, you know, when we start thinking about the commandments and we think about the fifth commandment, we gloss over the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. And we think, well, I haven't murdered anybody. I didn't take anybody's life. But if we're going to think about it strictly in the physical sense, and we're back to being a little bit more like Adam and Eve, where, you know, the serpent told Eve, you're not going to die. You're not going to die a mortal death, you know, so that's fine. But they died the spiritual death. And we forget that the words can be, that we use can be so powerful as to create spiritual death or as to kill somebody's spirit. This is very important. And I think that this is what's happening with our prelates today, where if we're in society and we want to hear the truth of the Catholic faith, we are owed that truth. That's our inheritance. We, um, I'm not saying, you know, obviously we're sinners and we want to get back to God, but part of doing that is part of the job of our priests and our bishops is to preach the word of God, to use their words, to reflect the words of Christ. And that I think is where, you know, when that is not happening, when we don't hear the words of Christ coming from our leadership and all we hear is the words that our leaders feel are important without considering necessarily what is important in terms of feeding the flock, all of a sudden we are dying inside because we need that. Don't we say that that's food? If we listen to the Jesse and Terry show, they say, hey, let's start with soul food. And they read the gospel for the day because we realize that the words are affirming and that they actually give the soul life. Um, there's another one uh, here that listen to this, to this Proverbs reading Proverbs six, two to three. If you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go hasten and plead urgently 
with your neighbor. That's important because, you know, if we are ensnared with our own words, if we have done something with our own words and we're caught up, we're slaves to what we said or we said something, go and plead urgently with your neighbor, meaning make it right. Make, you know, if you've hurt somebody, if you've used your words and that's trapped you or ensnared you, go make things right with your neighbor. Listen to this other one. So this is from Christ. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words. That's Mark chapter 8, verse 38. Ashamed of me and of my words. This is important because when we're listening to our prelate speaking to us, we say, hey, what is it that we're hearing? This is important for our spiritual health, the way it's important for our mental health. We want to think like Catholics so we can live like Catholics. How am I supposed to live like a Catholic and say, this is my Catholic faith. This is what I stand for. I am against this and I am for this. And we should really, as Catholics, be talking more about what we are for, and then it becomes clear what we're against. But how am I supposed to stand up proudly and say, this is what I'm for, if those people who are supposed to back us up or or help us in being Catholic they are ashamed of the words of Christ and they themselves are not following the words of Christ. They try to make, they try to use Christ's words against them maybe, or they try to use it in a way that it makes it seem like sin is okay because Jesus would have said it was okay. There's the idea of the spirit of the word without actually looking at what Christ really said and Christ really did. We got to remember when Christ was speaking, you know, half the time he was being chased and he was, they were, people were trying to kill him because he was preaching the truth. And I think that we would respect our bishops and our priests a whole lot, and they should know this when they're speaking the truth. And if other people don't like them or they might not be popular to the public, you know, that's okay. You, you can't even imagine how much support you're going to get in the meantime from the people who say thank you because all I want to do is get closer to Christ. And really, I want you to administer the sacraments to me and just tell me the truth. Tell me what it is I need. Don't cheat me of the truth because that's really what you're doing. Don't, don't lie to me and tell me that it's okay and I'm going to be able to get to heaven by a privileged way. That's not Jesus Christ. That's not the truth. The truth is we're going to get through heaven by the word, by believing in the word and by receiving the sacraments, the sacrament of communion. There's no other way. Jesus told us that those are the words we want to hear. We don't want to hear the lies that it's okay to live a life. That's not in accordance with the teachings of the faith. Listen to this one from John 8, verse 47. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So really, you got to ask yourself, if somebody wants to preach something outside of the faith, if somebody wants to talk and say, no, 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 I, I know what the catechism says, I know what the Bible says, but all of a sudden there's a but there. Where did that but come from? You know, where did that come from? Did that come from, is that something that Jesus said? You know, oh, we need to get the church to change her teachings. The church needs to get up in modern times. It says who? You know, are you trying to tell me that Christ needs to change who he is and that he needs to change his teachings? Or is it that you want your own following? The word is Psalm 12, 6, chapter 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in the furnace on the ground, purified seven times. The words of the Lord are you repeating the words of the Lord or are you repeating your own agenda? This is what we want to ask ourselves as Catholics. You know, when we hear people preach, we got to ask ourselves because we're going to hear confusing things and we got to say, are these the words of the Lord? Is this really what Jesus wants of me? Is the Pope reflecting that which, is he reflecting the words of Christ or is he just reflecting his own words? We've got to remember a lot of people, you know, want to live their lives as Catholics, but then they worry and they say, but the Pope said this and the Pope is infallible. Not quite. The Pope is infallible in matters of faith. 
insofar as he's reflecting the words of Christ, insofar as he's reflecting the Holy Spirit, the mission of the church, insofar as he's reflecting that we are getting closer to the Trinity in heaven, if you hear something from any pope, I'm not picking on, on our current pope, any pope whatsoever who speaks against the teachings of the church, then you got to really wonder, what is this doing to my soul? Is my soul in peril? You know, these are the things that we as Catholics, when we want to live as Catholics, if I'm going to raise my children and I'm going to tell them, look, when you get older and you uh, want to get married, this is the way you're supposed to get married. Or I expect that you're going to be a virgin when you're married. I expect that you're going to follow the tenets of the church. I expect that you're going to have, that you're going to be husband and wife. Uh, and that's it, that there's going to be a man and a woman in marriage. And, and that's what it is. Is that what we're hearing from our prelates? Is that what we're hearing as far as our faith? If we're not, then we've got to ask ourselves why. Are we making an exception? Why is that an exception? I'm going to tell my children, you know, if you start to tell me that, you know, abortion's okay and all of a sudden you're in a position of power and you say that, you better not go receive communion because you're going to find death. You are, by your words, you already killed your relationship with the church. You know, these are, this is where the death comes in. You've killed your relationship with the church, whether the Pope says it or not. That's not his position. That's Jesus's position to say that. And Jesus already spoke on that. This is where canon law comes from. This is where the catechism of the church comes from. This is where the Bible comes from. You cannot do that. You cannot receive uh, communion and expect to live, as St. Paul tells us, if you have not examined your conscience. These are the important things to remember. And that's the bottom line. This is why words matter. When we examine our conscience, guess what we're doing? We are talking to ourselves internally. You know, there's the words that we use to communicate. And words we can say, oh, you know, the words that we speak, but really words really means communication, right? And so I can communicate through to somebody with sign language, right? I'm using my hands to make gestures to communicate. I can communicate to somebody who, let's say that we speak different languages, but uh, if they look at me and they say, I'm hungry, and they kind of put their hand to their mouth, I understand that's a universal sign. It's a sign of communication. We can communicate outside of just saying the spoken word. So really, what are our priests doing by our actions when, you know, we hear that, oh, well, you know, we know that there's abuse in the church, but we're going to let it slide. Or you know what? We know what the church teaches, but I think we're going to have a conference on whether or not communion is truly the body of Christ so that can everybody come and receive it? Because that's really what the question is. If it is the body of Christ, if it is the Passover, if it is, you know, the new Moses coming out of Egypt when God said, hey, get the Israelites out. We're going to, we're going to get them out of slavery. You got, you have to sacrifice a lamb, right? And put the blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death doesn't come over as during the Passover and that there is life in your house and we don't kill the firstborn. You know, that was a sacrifice from Moses. Fast forward to Jesus Christ who says, I am the lamb of God. I will be that sacrifice. You have to consume this in a pure way where you follow me completely so that you are taken out of the Egypt of sin, right? Out of the slavery of sin into the promised land. Are we ready to live our lives in a way that we say, yes, I can receive that communion because even though I'm not perfect, I'm not saying that I'm not sinful. What I'm saying is I'm the reason I can recognize that I'm sinful is because I say the truth, the true word of God that is not going to hurt anybody is that sin exists and I might not always be following things correctly. I might fall into sin, but I recognize that and I admit that I'm wrong. I admit that it's sinful and I admit that I want to rise up and I want to make it to heaven. And therefore, I am going to be ashamed of my sin. I'm going to be confessing my sin. I'm going to be remorseful for my sin. And I'm going to keep trying to find ways to build myself and move forward, even if I'm sinning every day, even if I'm sinning every hour, every second. But if my disposition is to say, 
that which I am doing is wrong. If I can recognize that and move forward, then I'm ready for conf- for communion. Absolutely. Because I'm going to confess that I'm wrong and that Christ is the truth. One of the problems with saying, well, you know, that, uh, that I'm, I'm telling you that this is okay, even though Christ said it wasn't, and I've decided it's okay, and I'm still going to go receive with the blood of the Lamb, then I am saying, what I'm really saying at that point is Christ isn't the truth. I'm my own truth. And guess what that is? That's Luciferian, right? So all of a sudden, this is what we see in, the, in deliverance, where people have unfortunately decided that they are their own truth. They're going to find their own path. They're not going to wait for God to give them the truth. So they go look for words elsewhere. They go look for words from psychics. They go look for words from horoscopes. So they're looking for words for magic, magic spells, things of that nature. And all of a sudden, there is no truth. I've decided what the truth is, and I've decided that that's a better truth than what Christ has to give me. And so I've decided that Christ isn't the truth, that God isn't the truth. That's what it comes down to for words. And listen to how much death is there. All of a sudden, if I decided that the horoscope is more important than listening to what God has to say, then guess what? I've killed my relationship with God because I've said, I don't want to listen to you anymore. I don't need to listen to you anymore. I've got my own words. I've got my own truth. And this is going to be better than you. No different. If I decide I'm going to go, you know, I believe that, you know, what you have said is saying God is not sin and I'm going to go my own way about that. Then, you know, if I decide to go receive communion, that's just a slap in God's face. That's like saying you can do nothing about this. God is always merciful to us, though, and always hoping that we come back to him. All right, welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are talking about the power of words today because there are a whole lot of words going around in society with regard to our faith. And right now really is what we're having is we're having a battle of words. And that which we use to think and speak, or I should say that's, that's which we speak, is sometimes very reflective of that what we think. And so here, if we're going to think like Catholics so that we can live like Catholics, and that we can be Catholics, um, it's important to know how to think. And every time we're listening to our priests, our bishops speak, they're trying to tell us how, how to think. No different than when you listen to any media, you know, secular media channels, they try to tell you, oh, we're, we're here to tell you what to think about things. Nowadays, it used to be they just reported the news and they didn't have an opinion. Nowadays, it seems like they have their own opinions and they want you to think the way they do. Um, and that could be a problem. Let's listen to this verse from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 7, verse 20. He went on to say, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. So Jesus was being uh, criticized there about eating and not washing hands and being dirty about eating and things of that nature because the food was dirty. And Jesus rebuked and said, no, you know, what comes out of the person is what defiles him. For from within the heart of men come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. But let's start with those thoughts because that's kind of where it starts, right? How we think is very important. If we notice at the beginning of our mass, what do we say? We say, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned through my own fault in my thoughts. Remember, we can start sinning in our thoughts. And then the next part is in my thoughts and in my words. So it's very easy for us to forget that whatever we're thinking when we're by ourselves, whatever we're doing in our minds quietly, 
that actually can have a sinful effect if we're not careful. And you might be thinking, well, I'm not thinking this out loud. I'm not saying it to anybody just yet. It's not a word. It's just my own thought. But I can tell you from a psychiatric perspective, from a medical perspective, this is my own uh, medical opinion, um, is that that which we're thinking affects how we feel about ourselves. We call something called automatic thoughts. And if my thought is always, oh, I'm no good. Oh, I can't move forward. Oh, everything I do is wrong. Oh, nobody's going to like me. Oh, everybody's talking about me. I leave a, a conversation. I think, oh, I know they're talking about me. They're saying bad things about me. You know, all these things can happen. And the reality is these thoughts that we're having can kill us, right? The, our own words to ourselves and my thoughts and in my words. I can be sinning by telling myself negative thoughts or engaging in lustful thoughts or engaging in thoughts about hurting my neighbor or engaging in thoughts about somebody else, uh, you know, thinking poorly of other people, even the thought itself, if I can't find a way to think positively and get to God, um, that's a sin in and of itself. Why? Because we are actually killing ourselves. Nobody else knows about it, but we are reducing our soul. We're reducing our thought and we're reducing our mind. And how does that come out? Well, it comes out in our words because if I'm constantly thinking poorly about somebody, eventually I'm going to run into somebody else and have to just kind of share something. And, you know, it comes out very easily. You know, I tell you this in confidence. Please don't share this with anybody else. Not that it's a secret, but keep it between us. I'm not trying to gossip. I don't mean to speak poorly of somebody. But remember, whenever there's a but there, all of a sudden it tells me that whatever action you're saying you're not doing is more than likely what you're doing. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm not trying to diminish somebody else, but I want to tell you what I've been thinking. God put this on my heart. The Holy Spirit put it on my heart. I don't want to hear any of that. You're responsible. We're responsible for our own thoughts and we're responsible for our actions. This is our free will. I can choose to allow my thoughts to move in a certain direction, which is going to guide my words. This is important, especially when people come for help for mental health. All of a sudden they're telling me, I don't feel good. I feel, you know, I'm a really bad person. I think this and that already we're getting started on the wrong foot. You're telling me by your words that you're killing yourself. Words have life. Words have meaning. This is why it's important um, that we are very careful of our words. We're very careful of our thoughts because they can actually have an effect on ourselves and on other people. And it'll affect what we do, you know, down the road. So it, it's important to keep this in mind. You know, when we give a kind word to somebody, are we really giving a kind word to somebody? Or sometimes do we give kind words to people in order to make ourselves look good? Do we schmooze in order to get something from people? Do we, you know, go out and shake hands and, and be very kind and, and give compliments, but because we want people to remember that we give compliments or was our compliment sincere? That's a problem too. You know, that's an ego issue. It's an issue where we say, gosh, you know, I want people to think that I'm so nice. I want people to have such nice thoughts about me. I want to, I want to promote myself in so many ways. I want people to say that I'm important and, and to make sure that they tell the bishop that I'm important. And I want to make sure that the priests know that I'm important. And I want to make sure that the higher, you know, these are the problems that we get into. And believe it or not, this is all related to words because it's what we're going to say. Or can we humble ourselves and say, you know what? I only care that God thinks I'm important. So I'm going to try to think as many positive thoughts of other people as I can. And I'm going to speak in the truth. You know, this is true of our prelates because um, this is true for all of us as we're living the Catholic life, as we're trying to live as Catholics. Um, 
because I was having this conversation uh, with my wife recently and she was telling me about how she heard certain prelates and I don't necessarily want to say any names in particular, but talking about how they felt that the homosexual lifestyle should be accepted by the Catholic Church and how, you know, uh, being uh, divorced and remarried and that should be okay in order to receive communion. And, you know, they have all these ideals that sound really nice. I mean, it sounds great on paper. It sounds like they're trying to be charitable. But then the real question comes from, well, whose charity is this coming from? Is it their own personal opinion? If they're priests, remember we said, you're not allowed to have your own personal opinion now when you are preaching on morals of the faith. Once you put on that collar, I expect to hear the words of Christ. I expect to hear what Christ had to say. That's your, aren't you carrying on the mission of Christ? That's what you promised. If not, if you wanted to be a social worker, we'll go be a social worker and do something else. But as a priest, there is a responsibility there. And people can say, oh, Dr. Sample, you're not a priest. How can you tell a priest that? Well, I'm a doctor. You can tell me what my, my responsibilities as a doctor are without being a doctor yourself, right? I made a promise to heal people, to help them, right? Or if I'm married, you can say, well, your responsibilities as a married uh, person, these are your responsibilities. You don't have to be married to understand that I made certain promises. You understand the promises I made, the vows I took. It's no different with the priesthood or, or the, you know, the bishops when they say things like, oh, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of have my own thoughts on that. Uh, that's not your job as a bishop when it comes to the morals of the faith. Right. So this is important to think about. And what we were talking about actually was, why is this? What, what's going on? What's different now from that to other priests? And what I realized was, you know, when I was listening to it, and I told her, you know, I, I, I listened to Fulton Sheen and I love following what Fulton Sheen has to say. And I listened to his old recordings and whatnot. Am I a follower of Fulton Sheen? Not necessarily. I don't follow the man Fulton Sheen. I love what he says because everything he says points to Christ. I follow Christ and I'm going to listen to anybody who helps me point to Christ. If anybody listens to our shows here, you know, that uh, Bishop uh, uh, Strickland, the, uh, the Bishop uh, of Tyler, Texas is on our shows here. And I love to listen to what he has to say. Am I a follower of that bishop? Well, if he were in my diocese, I sure would be happy, right? Or I'd be happy to know that I have a bishop who's outspoken in that way and speaks the truth of Christ because he's leading me to Christ and not to himself. And I think that that's the biggest difference that we need to look at when a priest is speaking, when a bishop is speaking, when a teacher is speaking, when a doctor, when whoever is speaking, I got to ask myself, are they speaking from their own agenda or are they bringing me to Christ and the agenda of Christ. Listen to some of these quotes. These are some quotes from Fulton Sheen, and this is why I like to listen to what he is saying. He says things like, in every friendship, hearts grow and entwine themselves together so that the two hearts seem to make only one heart with only one common thought. That is why separation is so painful. It is not so much two hearts separating, but one being torn asunder. He's not talking about anything other than us uniting to Christ and uniting to each other um, as one heart, as, as, a, as uh, one, one person. That's why it's so painful. And I think that that's the pains that we feel here on earth are separation from Christ, from God. Listen to this. When a child is given to his parents, a crown is made for that child in heaven. The woe to the parents who raise the child without conscientious of the eternal crown. This is important because he's saying you got it when you have a child you have a responsibility to teach them about the teachings of the church about the teachings of christ so now this one evil men may not always do these things but they seek to destroy goodness virtue morality decency truth and honor when was the last time that we heard priests speaking like this or telling us that we need to follow virtue morality decency truth and honor this, this is a, i love this this is one of my favorite quotes from fulton sheen no man hates God 
without first hating himself. Talk about powerful there, because this is where we really want to see what are the words that are coming out of people? What is it that they're really saying? If they're speaking against God or they're saying, you know, the teachings of the church, they probably shouldn't be followed. You got to ask yourself what's going on in their hearts. What's going on for themselves? Do they really hate themselves? Do they really not like themselves? And therefore they turn away from God. It's kind of like the equivalent of, you know, what happened to the angels that fell. They probably did not like their place in life and they hated that. And so they were going to turn away from God instead of turning towards God. Let me read that again. No man hates God without first hating himself. That really makes me think. It makes me think about those times where I have felt like, you know, am I abandoned by God? Should, you know, is, is God mad at me? I, and we like to blame God. And, you know, these words, listen to, the, these are words that Fulanshin is using and it stirs up the heart. And I got to ask myself, is there something that I need to, you know, reconcile within my own self? Is there something, some kind of a hatred uh, or something that I'm have against myself? There's something I don't like about myself. And in reality, that's going to make me hate God. When we should take a step back and look at it and say, gosh, you know, if there's something I don't like about myself, why is that? Let's challenge that thought. Let's see what's going to bring me closer to God. God made me a good person. If I can recognize that there's things that need to be improved in myself, I'm not perfect. I can improve myself. Then all I know is that I'm improving myself to get closer to God. Listen to this. Patience is power. Patience is not an absence of action. Rather, it is timing. It waits on the right time to act for the right principles and in the right way. Patience not an absence of action, but timing. Right now, how many times do we see our prelates and society in general trying to really force things quickly and say, no, we need to make this change now. We need to do it now. Now they can argue that it's timing, but it sure doesn't sound like it's very patient or thought out, right? When we start doing things, we need to really ask ourselves, why are we doing things? What are the words that we're using? Why are we rushing things for us? Listen to this, Fulton Sheen. When is the last time that you hear any prelate said, there are angels near you to guide you and protect you if you would but invoke them. Notice, Fulton Jean is not saying, listen to what I say, I'm important. He's saying, these are the tenets of the faith. This is what's important. He's using his words to remind us that there are angels around us. And if we listen to them and we uh, invoke them, they are there to guide and protect us. What better than that? What better than that? What better than somebody telling us, don't forget that you are important and you have angels that will come to your aid. You don't have to follow what I say. Follow the words of Christ. Pray to your guardian angel who will lead you to Christ. More after the break. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Today we're talking about words, the power of words, and that was a verse from Matthew 12, 36 to 37. This is important. In our society, I think sometimes we have a lot of careless words, care, words that come just from emotion without thought words that come from well that's what i was feeling at the time versus you know i thought this through it and i think that this was important to say and if my words are challenged i'd like to know why i'd like to have a dialogue and i think that that's what we stopped having a lot in society because a lot of people will bring out words just out of emotion you're going to be called racist you're going to be called you know phobic in so many different ways without there being a dialogue without there being a time to understand each other and this is where as catholics we would hope that from our Catholic Church, from our hierarchy, we can take our, a step back and have a dialogue about that. 
Now, obviously, we can say as Catholics, the most important words we say are in prayer. And that's pretty obvious, right? We say, yeah, when we pray, of course, we're going to pray to God, and these are important words. Um, but this, you know, this Bible passage is pretty important because it says you will give an account for every careless word you speak, meaning really every word, every, every word that you did not put thought into, um, even the most careless of words you're going to be responsible for. We can talk about that in prayer, but, you know, recently there was also this uh, um, question about a station, a radio station back east in New Jersey coming out of Seton Hall University, Catholic University, where they're being allowed to play music uh, that can have very morose, uh, dark uh, undertones, overtones, and explicit lyrics about murder, about death, about torture, about even the devil, things of that nature. And, you know, there were some people going out there and protesting that this music should not be played because the words that were coming out of the radio station were not godlike. And it's very easy in society to say, well, what's the big deal? You know, this is just music. It's no big deal. I got to ask ourselves, we got to ask ourselves, are these careless words? You know, and one way for us to truly know if what we're listening to, what we're watching on TV, what we're doing, how important is that? Or how much is that affecting us? Or is that guiding me closer to God? You want to ask yourself, is there something that I would play in church? Is this something that I would play in front of the tabernacle? Oh, well, gee, Dr. Sandoval, come on, let's not be that extreme, right? I mean, there's a lot of things I wouldn't do in church. There's a lot of things I would do in society that I wouldn't do in front of the tabernacle. Or, or And then we got to ask ourselves, well, why? You know, if, if, it's, if what we're doing is okay, why wouldn't we do it? You know, in church, why wouldn't I be doing it in front of the tab- in, in the tabernacle? Or why wouldn't I do it with the idea that Jesus is watching me at that moment? You know, if I'm listening to music and it's really defiling the word of God or using, going against God, is it okay? Would I be riding in my car with Jesus listening to that? Are those the words that I feel that I would be judged by? Do I want to be judged by those words? Because it's not just as important. I can say, well, I didn't hear them, but did I have the power to listen to them? You know? Or am I a responsible prelate and am I somebody who could have been responsible to stop that? Am I allowing those words to be said? You know, is this something that we would incorporate into a prayer? Was this something that you would say would be um, pleasing to God? And then we got to ask ourselves, well, if it's not, then what part of our everyday conversations would be? Should we be cautious with every word we say and ask ourselves, is that what I'm saying, leading me and others closer to God? I think it's important to consider. I think it's something that we need to really look at and say, what am I saying? Are these words uplifting to people? Are they uplifting to myself? And are my own thoughts bringing me up or bringing me down? It's important to think about. It really is because that this is how we're not only is it about keeping us alive and making ourselves, uh, bringing ourselves up, but how I treat myself and how I talk about myself internally is going to affect how I treat other people, you know? And so it's one of these things that we want to make sure um, that, we know that there's something positive, that we can find something positive in ourselves so that we can find something positive in other people and we can be uplifting with our words. When it comes to the faith, we want to read our Bibles. We want to read the catechism. We want to read beautiful quotes from the Bible like what I was reading from Proverbs and from the Gospels about words because then I can convey that to other people and I can uh, tell other people the truth. And even if the truth is sometimes hurtful now, we say that, oh, sticks and stones sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, we have to make a distinction between me using words to try to actually hurt other people in a mean way and be a bully, 
or are people being hurt emotionally because they're hearing the truth? And that's a very big difference. If I'm speaking the truth and that offends somebody, then I would say that person either needs to look in themselves and see what's going on, uh, ask themselves why they got offended by the truth. Do they need to seek therapy? Do they need to seek help? Do they need to process something in their minds? Um, because that is, uh, you know, that can be a challenging place to be in. So if we're just speaking the truth without putting somebody down, just telling them, hey, I'm just telling you this is what the truth is, this is what I believe, um, you know, and they get offended by that, maybe it's time that they look at themselves and see what's going on in their hearts, you know. So there's a quote from Fulton Sheen, sometimes the only way the good Lord can get into some hearts is to break them. Maybe that's God trying to get into your heart and telling you that what you believe wasn't right. Sometimes God's going to get into your heart and you're going to be a little bit brokenhearted because that which you were holding on to might not be the entire truth. Listen to this quote from Fulton Sheen. Criticism of others is thus an oblique form of self-condemnation. We think we make the picture hang straight on our wall by telling our neighbors that all his pictures are crooked. So that's another thing when we're using our words is it that we're trying to make ourselves look good and point out all the bad things in other people. Is that really what we're doing? Or is it that, you know, are we going to look at the log in our eye before we criticize, you know, something small in our neighbor's eye? It's an important question to ask ourselves. If you don't behave as you believe, you will end by believing as you behave. This is important because if you don't start focusing on our thoughts, if we don't start focusing on our words and what we say, then and if we start to accept that which isn't the truth in our minds, it's going to go to our hearts and we're going to act in a, in a form that's a lie because we've decided that, that that which is the truth is not right. And this is what happens. This is what happens, especially, um, you know, when people say, well, I'm going to receive communion anyway. You know, they don't behave as they believe. They say, well, this is what I believe, but again, there's a but there. And if there's a but there, then they're going to start behaving differently. And guess what? They can no longer truly say that they believe something different than the way they behave, right? What's our, what's our main saying? Actions speak louder than words because when we sin, we sin in our thoughts and our words and in what I have done and in what I haven't do. If we continue to speak a certain way, we're going to behave a certain way. And after a while, all of our actions are going to truly reflect what we believe. They're going to be the words that we use. Our, we're going to communicate by our actions and our words are they're going to be dead and empty. This is important to think about. And this is why we're coming to the close here of the Holy Hour Challenge. And I think that the Holy Hour Challenge was very important. Anybody who followed it, I hope, or who's still following it, I hope you continue to do so. But it really comes down to the Holy Hour Challenge is the faith, hope, and love that we hope God brings to our lives and resulting in peace. And it comes from us using our words to ask for this. If we're going to be Catholics, and we need to think like Catholics by reading about the, the Word of Christ, by reading uh, our, about our faith and understanding it, we need to live it. We need to act the way that we think. We need to go out and if people ask us what the truth is, this is what the truth is. This is what I believe. I'm going to go to Mass. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to follow the sacraments. And at home, my home is going to represent a small church by the music we listen to, the words we speak, the shows we watch. This is all going to be important regardless of what society tells me. And then how do I know that I'm becoming more Catholic? Because I'm going back and speaking to Christ. Because now I'm using my words to communicate with Christ more. Um, and that's what I would hope that, you know, during the Holy Hour Challenge, I'm coming to the end of Holy Hour Challenge. And I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do another round of the Holy Hour Challenge because this time I felt that there was a lot of distraction. And towards the end, finally, I started getting into a little bit of a rhythm um, where I would go to the Holy Hour. And for the first three weeks, I did uh, 
requesting the infused virtue of love, the next three, faith, then hope, and then love again, three weeks of each. It's a, it's a long haul. It's 12 weeks, uh, but it's just one holy hour per week. Uh, sometimes we're good at keeping it. Sometimes we're, we're not so good. But listen to the words that we use as we pray there, at least the words I was using as I was praying the holy hour. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. And then finally, the words I speak to Christ. And these are the words that Christ gives gives us himself uh, through the angel that appeared to the shepherd children. He, he taught them how to pray this way. He said, pray this way. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly, and I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, and reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences by which he is offended, and by the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. Now, why is it important to understand where these words are coming from? Because these words are coming from God so that we can give them back to him, either through the angel that appeared to the children. Um, Sometimes if we don't know how to pray, we can ask our guardian angels in that moment of prayer, you know, what am I supposed to say here? What am I, where am I at? What am I doing? Because I can't see myself. And if our guardian angel gives us the words that we need to pray by, we give those words back to God. The irony, shall we say, of praying the Our Father is that when we hear the Our Father, those are the words that God himself gave us. Jesus, the Son of God, being the second person of God, he himself gave us the words that we're supposed to say back to him. So why is this important as the word? Because it comes back to the Eucharist. As we're doing the Holy Hour Challenge and we think about it, the Holy Eucharist is the sacrifice that God himself gave us so that we could give it back to him so that we could make it to heaven. That's the word of God right there in essence. This is why the words that we say are going to be important in terms of what we're going to be judged by and whether they give life or not. The words is we are communicating that we are Christ-like or not Christ-like. We are communicating that we're getting closer to God and want to get to heaven or that we are declaring that we are veering from God. Now, that's not to say that if I do something or say something and I hurt somebody, I can't make up for it, but I have to recognize that what I said might not have been the best. I can get to confession anytime. And once I have that remorse, that sense of metanoia, that sense that what I said was wrong and it might've hurt somebody, I better get to confession and confess that because I realize I killed somebody with my words. I wasn't very nice with that. Or I could confess that I'm always having negative thoughts, that I'm always hurting myself and telling myself that I'm not that good or that I'm not going to succeed. That should be a confession too, because that's like a mental suicide. It's like I'm killing myself with my own words. And this is also why it's a sin to not pray. Because when we use our words, if we're not using our words to go back and worship God, then we are sinning. We are not doing it correctly. Um, We are not using our words to declare uh, that God is really my Lord and that I am not my own Lord, that I'm not my own God. So this is important to think about. Why don't we close the show with an Our Father and we can give God the words back that he gave to us in terms of how to pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for joining us here on the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Remember, we want to think Catholic so we can live Catholic, so we can be Catholic. And we're going to do that by using our words to uplift others and ourselves and not kill anybody while doing it. We hope our prelates give us the truth 
so that our souls will be filled with good food from the Word of God. Until next time, you're listening here to the Dr. Lou Sandoval Show, leaving until uh, next week at the next clinic.